Hello and welcome to Talking Round North Cyprus, the only podcast dedicated to this little part of the world in the Eastern Mediterranean. I'm Sarah Palmer. I'm still based in the UK, although at the moment I'm in Jersey, uh, but I've had a property in North Cyprus for a decade now and try to get over there as often as possible. Sadly, I'm not retired, unlike my co-host and former BBC radio colleague, Raj Barra, who is still out there sunning himself together with his lovely wife, Chrissy. They've been in the TRNC for almost 12 years now. And uh, as always, delighted to see him. So, uh, Rog, last time we were talking, um, you were talking about severe storms, flooding, lots of structural damage, sadly, some animal fatalities as well. So um, has it settled down now? Yes, Sarah. Hello to you and hello. It's been amazing. I said to you two weeks ago, this has been terrible and everybody's been suffering a little bit, but this could be our winter. And you know what? Since that week has ended, we've had the most wonderful spring, temperatures between 19 and 21, very little rain, and loads and loads of sunshine. So spring is definitely here. And dare I say, summer is not too far away. So, so much better than it was two weeks ago, Sarah. Well, it must have made its way to us because, as I said earlier, I'm in, Jer- <laughs> I'm in Jersey at the moment. And um, it's bloody awful, to be honest. I mean, we had, ha- we had hail the other day. And um, I was driving and it looked like there was snow on the ground. The hail was so thick. And um, today it's just been windy and rainy. And tomorrow we've got a full moon. So tomorrow is the highest tide um, and very strong onshore winds as well. So it's not very pleasant here at the moment. But I'm very happy for you, Rog, that it's sunny where you are. That's all that counts, isn't it, at the end of the day? (laughs) Oh, you sound so sincere. Yes, always, always. <laughs> anyway, anyway, what's been happening on the island over the past couple of weeks? What are the headlines in the paper this weekend? Uh, Cyprus Today headlines, the English language newspaper, racism running rife in the south. And this is mainly due to a story about some young, in their 20s, Turkish Cypriots up the Trudos Mountains, taking a pause to take some photographs, and allegedly they were attacked by similar-aged Greek Cypriots with stones and sticks, oh. and it's all quite unfortunate. And and what worries me, Sarah, is that if this kind of thing is happening, why are young people attacking another race? Why is it necessary? Is it the way they're being taught? If hate is being taught... What hope is there for the island to live happily ever after? There isn't any. And it just worries me that this is going on in 2024. You know, think about the intervention was 1974. The conflict had been going for 20 years before that. And it's still going on today, although in limited form. And it, it's just very worrying. and. Quite frankly, Sarah, it's very upsetting. It is, isn't it? And it's a shame that the youth, you know, are involved in this because you don't know what they're being taught at school to sort of perpetuate this hate, really, which is, uh, and, you know, and they're the future as well. They're the ones that are going to, you know, Cyprus is in their hands in in the future. And if this Mm -hmm. is the sort of, you know, what what we're getting at the moment, it is very sad. 
that's that's not very nice at all. Am I right in thinking that um, there's been some brain surgery going on in the TRNC? What's all that about? Yes, uh, this is really interesting. And again, thanks to Cyprus Today newspaper, um, they've written a story about brain surgery to treat Parkinson's disease. And it's been performed in the TRNC, Sarah, for the very first time. And it's all about putting something in the brain that stops uh, some of the symptoms of Parkinson's disease, uh, the involuntary spasms, for instance. Now, this kind of surgery is not going to cure Parkinson's because there isn't any at the moment, but it can ease the symptoms. And before, the whole point about why this is a great story, before there are only one or two places in Turkey, or Turkaya, as we're supposed to call it, that you could go to to get this done. Now you can get it done at the state hospital. And so it's a huge, huge step forward, we think, for the TRNC. And and well done to all those involved, including, of course, those incredible brain surgeons. I don't know about you, Sarah, but the idea of cutting (laughs) someone's head open and operating on their brain. I mean, these guys are absolute heroes and, and gals, of course, because there's yeah. so, some women that do this work as well. It's incredibly brilliant, and it's now here in the TRNC. That's amazing, and especially sort of good news for anybody that's suffering with Parkinson's as well. That's, uh, you know, yeah. if they can ease the symptoms of those, that's good. Um, something else, um, Pegasus aren't um, doing anybody any favours. They're not flavour of the month from what I can see. No, the Pegasus airline, they're now going to charge you extra from when you start booking from now. Not not if you've already booked, but from now, if you want to use the overhead locker. And their argument is that, you know, the worst thing about boarding a flight is the interminable delays caused by people having luggage that they want to put in the overhead lockers. We've all been there. We know it. Actually, it's probably just a money-making uh, <laughs> scheme. But if it actually causes less hassle when you're boarding an aircraft, uh, can we complain about it? But but if you travel by Pegasus, which, of course, is a low-cost airline, and low-cost airlines are finding it very, very tough at the moment, if you want to use the overhead locker and you book a flight from now on in, uh, you will have to pay extra. So basically, they're saying, don't don't carry luggage. If you've got tiny hand luggage that you can put under your seat, that's fine. So you can still take hand luggage on, but not if you need to use the overhead lockers. Now, my, my personal point of view is I never take hand luggage unless I have to. And I would love it if we had more headroom and less overhead lockers. The thing is, people use overhead lockers in planes more because they've put the price of putting a case in the hold up and up and up and up. So people are now less likely to put something in the hold. And so they find a smaller suitcase um, and sort of shrink down and then take it on board and put it in the overhead locker. And I know sometimes you do already, pay, you know, in some, you know, Ryanair, Wizz Air or the Ace Jet, you do pay for an extra bag if you want to have it in the cabin with you, if it's a certain size. But I also wonder how they're going to police it. 
because I guess, you know, before you get on the plane, they they measure how big it's going to be that go under the seat and not in the overhead locker. But if they've got overhead lockers and they're empty, people are going to use them. And I mean, it's not up to the air stewardesses to go, hang on a minute, you can't have that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. And that, that will take even longer, won't it, if people are arguing about what can go in and what can't. So anyway. OK, well, let's get to our special guest today, uh, someone, Raj, who... And I, it's hard for me to say, and I can't believe that uh, this actually happened, but you met them in a bar for the first time yesterday. Is that right? <laughs> yes. I met a lovely lady called Aubrey Beckham. And and how this happened was we've got a, a mutual American friend called uh, Dean, and he was on our second or third podcast many yeah. years ago. And uh, Mrs. B said, Oh, Dean, there's a group for North Americans here being formed. And then Dean contacted me this week and said, I'm coming up your way in North Cyprus to um, be amongst this group that have got a meeting. And so I said, well, can I come? And he went on to the organiser, which was Aubrey. She said, yeah, you come along. So it, it was a meeting of the North American Cypriot Association. and. Sarah, to be absolutely frank, I expected the organiser to be a, a retired American expat. But when I met Aubrey, I was rather taken aback by her youth. Uh, and so I wondered why someone so young from St. Louis, Missouri, what are you doing in the TRNC? <laughs> and she was loving it. And Sarah, this is what she told me. Well, thank you. I'm actually in my 30s. I was in the United States when I decided to move over to the Europe and Middle Eastern area because at the time, Obama was the president. I'm not going to blame him for anything, but there was a recession in the U.S. I don't know if you guys remember that. During that period, I could not, as a, as a new graduate, I couldn't find a job in the States. So I had a degree in teaching and then I went back to school to get an associates in geriatrics, hematology, nursing. And I couldn't get a job in either branch because of the uh, US recession, because of the, econ uh, the economy. So I decided to check out the, what do they call it? Like international teaching, teachers abroad opportunities. And one of the opportunities that looked pretty good that was uh, offering housing and uh, income in euros was a teaching job at a university in Istanbul. So my initial move from the United States to this part of the world was to Istanbul. Then after working there for a bit, I realized that the political landscape in Turkey was changing. So for, I was in my 20s at that time, for a single American woman to be in Istanbul solo teaching, I felt the pressure and I was actually planning on moving back to the United States at that point. So I started uh, actually meeting my friends and saying my goodbyes. And one of my friends was a Cypriot Turk. I had coffee with him and he said, Aubrey, before you go back to Miami or wherever you're going, why don't you give Cyprus a shot? And I thought Cyprus was a city in Italy. It, there's a city in Italy, I think, called Cyprus. And he said, no, it's an island. And he showed me. And, you know, 
I said, okay, you know what? I'm all set. I've made my decision. I'm going back to the States. But the, the Pegasus flight ticket for Northern Cyprus, I'll never forget, it was 59 lira. And he said, for the weekend, come on over. Let me show you around. Just for the weekend, I said, okay. I flew in on a Friday. By Sunday, my friend walked me into a university here in Girne. I shook hands. I made a deal with the rector and I, I got the job. And then I moved over here. That was 11 years ago. Wow. Can I assume that because you're still here over a decade later that everything's pretty good? Well, I'm really into horse riding and I love the bare like nature that we have here in the north. So I didn't think that I would stay as long as I have, but now it's grown on me and I, I love it. I'm not one of the people that complain. I don't whine. I don't moan. I love it here. And I think th this is it. I'm staying. I opened a software engineering company over here and just being a business owner with the balance of the available outdoor like sports and nature on the island and also having like the excitement of the city in Levkosha, it makes me very happy. I love it here. I think I'm, I'm staying and I'm going to get a citizenship soon. How does life over here compare to how it was in the States when you made what must have been a pretty courageous decision as a single lady to move to Turkey? How do the lifestyles compare? I don't compare. <laughs> I don't compare. That's why I'm so happy over here. You can't. You can't even compare Europe with the States. There are so many amazing things about Northern Cyprus that don't exist in the US. And I've, I've, in the US, I've lived in four different states. And I've, I've done the whole, you know, road trip and all that across the US. There's, there's no way that I, I can comment on that because I can't compare Northern Cyprus with any place I've ever been, including the US. Wow. Now, we are at a meeting of the North American Cypriot Association. And you appear to be the organizer. I go back to your original point that you're very young to be doing something like this. So why, why bother? Because it must take a lot of organizing. Well, when I first moved here, I figured that the uh, English or British people, the expats who are living over here, because they speak English, I figured that they would help me get settled. But uh, to my surprise, they didn't. I tried to join some of the English and British clubs or societies and they rejected me because I don't have a British passport. So I felt like I was on my own and I kind of started going to these English pubs in the Girna area and uh, that didn't really help either. <laughs> what, what happened there then? Uh, well, uh, the general feeling that I got, and this is not, this is not everybody, this is not all the Brits or, or the English people that do this, but the general feeling that I got was um, a kind of uh, lower social ladder uh, behavior towards me from them uh, so I, I would have questions uh, from people that said they were from London um, and they would say well you don't really speak English 
um, because you're American. And I would say, well, you understand me, and I just moved here, and I'm trying to make friends that, that are Anglo, basically, Anglo, Anglophone friends. But uh, this never happened. So a couple of years passed, and I ended up bumping into some Canadians, and they had a similar experience to where they applied to join some of these um, British expat clubs, and they were rejected. So I just told them, hey, uh, let's just create our own association because they, they, don't, they don't want us in theirs. I'm sat here as an Englishman, um, and I can't quite believe what I'm hearing. I'm absolutely shocked. You must have been too. Well, eventually I found what they call the London Sips, the Cypriot Turks who were kind of like raised in England. And uh, they became my family over here and they helped me out. But all of us uh, over at the association, we have similar stories to where we would try to assimilate with the British expat community here in Northern Cyprus. But for some reason, there's a cultural disconnect or we're not we're not really fitting in somehow or um when we go to the pubs uh they're kind of speaking to us with degrading language or like sarcastic sarcastically joking and and um canadians and americans we don't really joke like that with people we just met it's insulting so 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 when my friend dean american who who's been on this podcast in its very early days Uh, when he said he was going to bring a British mate who's a neighbour, you didn't stop me from coming. And in view of your experience, that quite surprises me. What do you want me here for? I'm going to insult you. <laughs> well, I, I did tell Dean that he's responsible for your behaviour. <laughs> and, and in this case, you, you are the minority at this event. So Dean is responsible for your behaviour. And uh, yeah, that's, that's what I told him. <laughs> I'll, I'll try not to let no him down. <laughs> so what's the point of this association? Just to help you all integrate, and you've obviously all got something in common, haven't you? Yeah, and um, I, I guess our, our mission and our vision is to bring together North Americans who are trying to settle into this beautiful Mediterranean island. And... Um, They don't speak Turkish, they don't speak Greek, so they need, they need other um, international, I would say, they need other global nomads that have a similar culture, who are not going to judge them or make them feel like they're being degraded, um, so that we can support each other and just help each other when we're getting settled in or when we become homesick. Can I get a little political, because I'm thinking as I'm going along here, I mean... Sure. Has Donald Trump got anything to do with this negativity towards you, do you think? Uh, I'm a Democrat. Uh, I, I don't think that U.S. politics have anything to do with any of my decisions anymore because I've been overseas for maybe 19, 20 years. I, mean, I was in Istanbul and Egypt, Holland... I bounced around a lot uh, as an international teacher, so the, the U.S. politics, they don't concern me at all anymore. That, that has no influence uh, on I'm more my... wondering whether how some of the British think about a country that can probably get Donald Trump a second term, which will probably going to happen in November. 
And I'm wondering whether that might make them distance from you. I don't know. Is this the way the, the British see Americans? Hey, mate, you're going to vote Donald Trump in again. This is very interesting what you're saying, because when I moved to northern Cyprus, Obama was still the president. And that's when I got the, the, this negative treatment from the English. So we didn't, we didn't even know Trump was going to run for president at that time. And um, when Trump came in, by the time Trump became president, I gave up on asking the English expat community for help. Do you still have two jobs? I mean, you say you've formed your own company, but is teaching finished now? Well, what's the school? I'm not teaching anymore. The uh, universities that I were working for, that I was working for, uh, they, I think they kind of are feeling the financial issues that Turkey is having troubles with. So I decided to break off and uh, start my own software engineering company with some of the other professors who also left that university. And yeah, this is our new feat together here. <laughs> Where did the interest in software come from? Is it something you've always been interested in or did you just see a business opportunity? Well, as an academician, when we were going to these uh, workshops, they started teaching us all about AI, ChatGPT, and how the education world is changing with technology. And um, when a couple of other professors said that they're also going to drop out of physical teaching, then I said, hey, let's put our savings together and let's start something. Obviously, I don't know how to code. I'm not a programmer. I'm an English lecturer. I've got an economics professor on board. And we do have our main partner, who is the software computer professor. And he is helping us go along with our uh, projects here. Okay, it all sounds very complicated. What do you actually do? What does the company do? <laughs> We, we are a software solutions company. So we, we do anything that involves the internet and digital products. So a digital product is basically a website or a payment system or a CRM. Uh, whatever you need to accelerate your business as far as the internet is concerned, we take that on and we let our programmers and managers and designers develop your internet digital product. And what's your function amongst all this? What do you do? What do you do? I'm the chief operating officer. So I'm, in, I'm basically responsible for all of the projects that we're working on that are in the Middle East, Europe, the United States. This is a really difficult economic time to start a business rolling uh, has been for a few years now here uh, as you mentioned because of the Turkish lira and uh, other other factors uh, how's it going well at our company we we actually don't really work with Turkish lira um, every project that we take on is usually funded with US dollars pound sterling euro and of course because we're in northern Cyprus we accept crypto Let's look to the future now. Um, you seem pretty settled here now. You have a purpose to stay here. Is that how you see the immediate future here in North Cyprus? Yes, absolutely. I took Turkish lessons for about 14 years 
And I got lucky because I was an academician, so I could join in on the Turkish lessons that they were giving to the foreign students. So I got the grammar down. I'm still not very good at reading and writing. Like if you gave me a newspaper, I, I would have trouble reading it. But as far as like everyday basic communication is concerned, I'm almost fluent in Turkish. So I, I do see myself permanently settling down here. I'm working towards getting my Northern Cypriot citizenship. And I think I'm just gonna buy a piece of land and do like an, I don't know, animal sanctuary and just retire over here. Aubrey Beckham. And uh, what a lovely lady. And why I didn't take the mickey out of her surname, which is as English as you can get. Well, you can sort of understand that I didn't want to antagonize her, bearing in mind how she had been antagonized, if you like, you know, 11 or 12 years ago. And if anything came out of that interview, it was how little help she appeared to get from the British expats at the time, which was quite a long time ago, uh, I will agree. Uh, and of course, the first thing I have to say, we've only heard one side of the story. But there are two things I want to say, Sarah. First, I asked to interview her. She didn't ask to be interviewed. And secondly, she wasn't the only one that said the same thing about how difficult they found it to integrate into the society because the British didn't appear to want to help. And, um, you know, as an Englishman, I felt quite, uh, quite put out by that. But I would love anybody that's got an opposing point of view to contact us and, and let us know what they think. Mm, it, yeah, it was. It was very sad to hear that, actually, um, that, you know, that she struggled to sort of, you know, make any friends and that nobody reached out to her. Um, and I guess, as you said, it was a, it was a few years ago. So I'm hoping that these days there are more foreigners in North Cyprus. So people are perhaps a little bit more tolerant um, but also, I guess, back in the day, you know, the Brits that were there, they were certain type of Brits. Maybe they were the ones that would have might have voted for Brexit because they don't like foreigners. Um, but, you know, and they're there in their little sort of enclave, if you like. And, you know, they just didn't want anybody, anybody coming in. But I mean, I'm hoping that these days people are a little bit more tolerant. Um, and also, you know, people are living in another country. We're, we're guests in another country. And um, yeah. the Turkish Cypriots are lovely people, very hospitable. So really, um, it's sad to think that, um, you know, we took advantage of that and we weren't sort of uh, empathetic and, and welcoming like the Turkish Cypriots. But it sounds like what, what was really nice, though, what was her, her love for to North Cyprus now. Um, yeah. she, she absolutely loves it, you know, having sort of stumbled across it in a way. So that's what's really nice. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's just, you know, finding out why people uh, love being in the, in the country. So that, that was really nice. Um, that was a nice uh, uh, upside of the interview. Yeah, and I'm very grateful for Aubrey giving me her time because there were 20, 30, maybe even 40 North Americans there and she was organising the meals and the drinks and everything else and uh, she was quite happy for me to uh, take her aside. Yeah. And uh, I'm hopeful I can talk to some of the North Americans that are there in in months to come. It'll yeah. be really good. Yeah, let's hope they don't treat you like we treated them. <laughs> <laughs>
lovely. All right, Rog. Well, thank you very much indeed, as always, for, um, you know, going above and beyond and meeting all these people and having to, you know, have a drink with them. It must be it must be tough. Um, but, <laughs> oh. you, know, you know, it's for all for a good cause. Um, so thank you very much indeed for listening to this episode. If you want to um, subscribe, then please do uh, wherever you're listening on this podcast, then you'll know when the next one is going to drop. If you want to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook and what was Twitter. Um, just look for Talking Round North Cyprus. We also have an email address if you want to get in touch at trmc.podcast at gmail.com. I'm Sarah Palmer. And I'm Roger Burrow. Thank you so much for listening. As Sarah said, talk to you again very, very soon.